Amen. I'm glad we're protected by the Lord, aren't you? Wonderful. Thank you so much. Very appropriate song we're going to be looking at this morning as we come to 1 Peter chapter number 1. And, uh, but as we get back to this book together, I uh, just want to keep in mind one of the main goals, if you will, if I can say it that way, as to the writing of Peter. And one of those main goals was to do this, all right? It was to strengthen the brethren. That's what he wanted to do. And so that's what he's doing, strengthen the, the believers, strengthen the, the brethren. But uh, why would these individuals at this time need encouragement? Why would they need strength? Why would they need to find something so concrete and constant in their lives at this moment? Because again, keep in mind, their lives at this moment was in a lot of turmoil. Uh, their lives in this moment were really going through the ringer as they were facing some great persecution as they were face, facing some great suffering, facing prison, torture, and yes, even death, all from the cruel hand of Nero. They were really going through it. So that's why they needed some strength. That's why they needed some great encouragement. They needed strength. But it wasn't strength necessarily that we would think of as a physical strength or a financial strength or a military strength or a political strength at this time and, and day. Rather, the strength they needed was going to be found from the pen of Peter as they were given great hope. Because remember, Peter has been deemed and dubbed as the apostle of hope. And they're going to find great hope through their trials, through their pain, just for the next day, find great hope from this pen of Peter as they come to First and Second, Second Peter. And again, keep in mind, the hope we talk of and speak of is, is not a wishful thinking type of hope. It's not a... I'm going to cross my fingers and uh, throw a coin in a wishing well and hope this thing works out. That's not hope, okay? That's not what we're talking about. Rather, the hope that Peter is giving is this. It's a confident, it's a confident assurance, not in themselves, but in their Savior. It's a confident assurance based on the promises and person of God and listen, these folks in the first century here, as we come back to 1 Peter, they needed real hope. And guess what? Not only in the first century did believers need it, but believers in the 21st century need it as well. We all need hope. We all need to be strengthened in our daily lives. We need strength. Through the various trials, difficulties, and troubles of life that we all face. But again, where do we find it? Well, the same place that the first century believers found it. From the Word of God. From the eternal pages of Scripture that will last from generation to generation. Understand the Bible is never outdated. Ever. The Bible, listen, is relevant for every situation of life. There is great sufficiency found in the scriptures that you're holding in your lap. And it's okay to say amen right there, all right? You can find great strength in the word of God. That's why Peter sits down to pen the very words that God wanted him to write. So keep all that in mind. I want to try to remind us that every time we come to it, it's good to keep the context, overall context in mind as we deal with different books of the Bible, all right? So that's why he's writing, to strengthen the brethren. But as we move on in 1 Peter here in chapter 1, we come to verses 6, and uh, we'll, we'll probably read through verses 6 through 9 here this, this morning. But it's a portion of Scripture that I would like to see this title from, all right? We'll find a season of heaviness. 
a season of heaviness. Look at it with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 6. Peter writes, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Let the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Our fathers, we look to your word this morning. I pray you to help us to have open hearts, open minds, open eyes to it. And as you say in the word of God, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. I pray that you do a great work in our lives this morning and help us to see you through this text and draw closer to you. We love you. Help me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to see this title, A Season of Heaviness. Now we know that life, in life there are uh, natural seasons, right? They are uh, winter uh, they are spring, summer, and, and fall, of which I really enjoy uh, fall and spring. Anybody else love fall and spring? We're coming up on fall. I think fall is one of my favorite times of the year because it does cool off after the intense heat of summer, right? Especially this week, it's been pretty warm. So I'm looking forward, forward to some cooler mornings and cooler days. I love fall, but mainly because of football. Amen. But anyway, uh, I love fall. I love spring. Again, coming out of the winter months, it starts to warm up a little bit, and I appreciate those mornings and those days, but primarily love spring because that's prime time, bass fishing time, amen, all right, but anyway, but I love those times of year, and uh, maybe you love summer, anybody love summer, that's your favorite time of the year, who here, may I ask this one, who here loves winter, you can't wait, where y'all from, no, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> I like winter at times, especially when it snows, but can't last too much, you know, more than a few days, that's fine, but we enjoy the seasons, those natural seasons of life. And, of course, there's other seasons of life as well. We know as seasons of life such as childhood. And, uh, parents, it's okay. Let your kid be a kid because those, those days and those, that season passes pretty quickly, does it not? And then uh, that childhood season begins to transition into a young adulthood type of season, figuring out school or a particular skill set in the workforce or a special someone they're trying to figure out that God has for them and so forth and so on. And then that season transitions into parenthood or careerhood, raising kids, preparing for the future, working in a, a particular career, a certain career, whatever it may be. And then that tr transitions into grandparenthood or retirement years of which you may enjoy a little bit slower pace of life and enjoy the grandkids. Who here has grandkids? All right. Uh, let me ask you a question. Are the grandkids really the, the blessing for not killing your own? Is that true? I'm banking on it. I'm investing in that principle. Amen. All right. But, uh, but maybe you're enjoying that season of life, a little bit slower pace, and just enjoying the grandkids and then sending them back to their moms and dads full of sugar and Mountain Dew. But uh, you're enjoying those seasons. But they have, we have natural seasons of life. They're natural. You know, the natural seasons of nature. In the course of our own life. But there's a season that can transcend all of those. There's a season that all of us can face and get intertwined with those other seasons of life. It doesn't matter if you're a kid or a young adult, you can face this one. 
It doesn't matter if you have a career and a family, things seem to be going well, and all of a sudden you can face this season. It doesn't matter if you're in your retirement age and enjoying the slower pace of life, you can still face this kind of season that we're going to look at, the season of heaviness. And by the way, this word heaviness here in our text, it means to experience grief or pain that causes sorrow. And the grief and pain that was causing sorrow here in our text to these dear believers were due to the fact of the manifold or the various types of temptations. And the temptations is not the temptation to sin, but rather the trials, difficulties, troubles, persecutions, the heartaches, all those things that were causing grief, those things they were facing. And they were in a season of heaviness, a season of grief, a season of pain that was leading to sorrow. And I want to go on record and say, that's not my favorite kind of season. And I would dare say, you don't like them either. Nobody likes those times of life. But just know from the very beginning of this message, I'm going to start at the end, okay, and give you the conclusion of it at the beginning. Even in the midst of a heavy season, we can rest. We can have great hope and the great promises of Scripture. Again, finding our strength there. And here's one of them. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed unto the image of His Son, that He might be made that he might be, I'm sorry, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Listen, all things still work together for good, conforming you into the image of God's dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So understand, we go through these seasons, but let this comfort of the Scriptures encourage you and strengthen you today. But let's consider that season quickly, all right? The first thing I want to see from this portion of Scripture, considering the season of heaven, is, is this, number one, the reality of the season, meaning this, we are all going to face them. We're all going to face, at some point in our life, this season of life, a season of heaviness, a season of grief, pain, or sorrow, and maybe multiple times, maybe. It's just a reality that every person must come to grips with, including God's dear people and God's children. Those who know Jesus as a Savior. Look, I understand there's people who believe that if God's people, if believers struggle, if they're going through trials, if they're going through seasons of heaviness, then they're going through that because of some sort of sin in their life or that person, that Christian, they're struggling because they're not right with God. Or I tell you what their problem is. Uh, they're not praying hard enough. Or I tell you what their problem is. They just haven't been faithful enough. Or I tell you what their problem is. And they, you fill in the blank. You get the point, right? Uh, some folks think if you're going through a season of heaviness, then there's something that you have done to deserve that. And listen, there are people who preach th such things. And I want to tell you, they ain't always right. <laughs> That's terrible English, but you get the point. They're not always right. And just because you face a season of heaviness does not necessarily mean you've done something wrong or in some kind of gross, terrible sin. Though we do understand that sin does have consequences, and we understand that, and sometimes there is difficulty we face because of foolish decisions that we have made, but please know that's not always the case for people going through seasons of heaviness. 
Even the Apostle Paul went through great times of, of heavy days, of heavy seasons. And you can see this testimony of his in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 28. See that for yourself later, all right? As he talks about all those perils he endured. But just because he went through those times, the Apostle Paul, that is, does not mean that, well, karma was biting him in the backside. That's what you get. Or he's just getting what he deserved. No, that's not why he went through these things. Listen, we understand Paul was following the Lord faithfully and fully. And yet he had seasons of heaviness. Listen, all I'm saying is these are reality. The seasons of heaviness are reality of life, even to the most faithful of saints. So please know, we were never promised that it would all be Rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> that all be blue skies and smooth sailing in this world. I know what the TV preachers say and the prosperity preachers say, but they're wrong. Jesus never pro promised that. We can find other promises that Jesus did say in John 15, verse 18 to 21. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world will love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they will also keep yours. But all these things they do unto you for my name's sake, because they have know not him that sent me. And again, he goes on to say in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. But why? Because in the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And of course, other apostles would echo the words of Jesus, as, Peter, or as uh, I'm sorry, uh, Paul would say to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12 through 13, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall act worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And James would say, My brethren, count it all joy when, when, not if, but when you fall into divers temptations, meaning trials of life. And again, Peter would echo this word in 1 Peter 5.10, and we'll get there very soon. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Listen, all I'm saying this morning, trials, difficulties, tribulations, seasons of heaviness, those times are inescapable and they happen to everyone because it is a reality. And knowing it's a reality, dear believer, please listen real quick. Knowing this is a reality, it, it should cause us to treat each other a little bit more kind. Maybe offer a little more grace and maybe a little more mercy because you never know what seasons of life your fellow brother or sister are going through. Even though you may think, well, I know what's wrong with them. No, you don't. Sit down and be quiet. Why don't you listen a little bit? Amen. <laughs> we all go through them. And it may be of nothing we have done, of choices that is, to cause those things we all go through them because it's reality of life then i want to see this number two i want to see the range of this season what do you mean by range here's what i mean how long will it continue how long will this season of heaviness last well 
The short answer to that question of how long is this. Here's the short answer. I don't know. And the only one who, do, who does know is the Lord. Uh, just as Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar one day in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 through 22, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the season. He changes them. He removeth kings, setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. Only God knows. But as far as the range goes on these seasons, take encouragement from the very phrase we see in verse number 6 that at least uh, gives us a little bit of hint of how long these times will go on. All right, look at verse number 6 again. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now, here it is, I circled in my Bible, I encourage you to do the same, this phrase, for a season. You, you see, this phrase here carries with it the idea or thought of little in number. Or of short in time. Meaning Peter was writing to these believers and fully aware of what they were facing. Fully aware of what they were going through. Fully aware of the persecution and everything else that they were enduring. He fully, he was fully aware of all of these things. The manifold temptations. But as he wrote with this knowledge in mind and wanting to strengthen them, he was letting them know this is only for a season. This is only for a short time. This will not last long. And we know that seasons don't last long, right? Seasons are short. Um, how many of you that are in school thought summer went by very quickly? It was short. Yeah, even teachers went. First one, the first ones I saw were teachers' hands. I should ask the teachers, right, instead of the kids. But summer's short. Seasons are, are short. They don't, they don't last very long. Spring's the shortest one because that's when I want to fish the most and can't. And it's just so short anyway. But it's short seasons. They don't last very long. And all this season of heaviness that these individuals were facing in a grand scheme of things was only for a short period of time. It wouldn't last forever. It was just a short season. But maybe you're thinking, but pastor, this season of heaviness it doesn't feel very short maybe these people thought the same thing as peter was writing to them they're reading this for the very first time they're saying a season a short season it just don't feel very short it doesn't seem there's an end in sight i mean we've been doing this for a while now for months for for even years and maybe you're thinking the same thing you're saying i hear you you're saying it's short but i've been dealing with this grief Dealing with this sorrow, dealing with this heaviness for years. Well, even if you have and will continue to do so, I want to tell you something. Let me give you some great encouragement this morning, all right? I want you to know that even in the light of eternity, all right? In the light of eternity, those heavy seasons are still but short. Take your Bible. I want to show you something. Take your Bible and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Will you do that? 2 Corinthians, I want you to see it for yourself this morning because we quote a wonderful verse from this portion of Scripture that gives great encouragement, does to me, and I hope it does to you. But we quote this great verse to many people going through it. 
And it's this verse of 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, Paul was trying to remind these individuals that they don't last very long. But what I want you to see is in light of this great verse, I want to see the context of it, all right? So look at chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, starting in verse number 8. And let's just read down to the end of the chapter, all right? The Bible says in verse 8, Paul writing to the Corinthians, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. He goes back to that affliction he was talking about in, the first, in verses 8 through uh, 10 there, 8 through 11. Talking about that affliction. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why, oh, there's no period after verse 17. It continues on verse 18. It's connected. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He's talking about his afflictions, the season of heaviness and light of eternity. And it's crazy to think of all that Paul went through. It'd be good for you to sit down and do a personal study on all the persecutions and the pain and the heavy seasons that Paul went through. Listen, it lasted nearly his entire ministry and Christian life. Over 30 years he went through great seasons of heaviness. But if you were to sit down and have a conversation with the Apostle Paul and say, Brother Paul, you, you suffered so much for so long. I, don't, I just don't see how you did it, my friend. How could you do that? Well... If he was the answer, he'd respond, well, all, all of that? I mean, yeah, it was, it was difficult, sure. And he just told us it was. But it was short. It was just for a moment. It was just a short season of life. Well, how can you say that, Paul? He went for years through that stuff because that season of life and the light of eternity was only a light Affliction. But just for a moment. So understand, you may be going through some heaviness today, but please know it will not last forever. It's only for a season. God has His eye on the clock and His hand on the thermostat, and He will not allow it to go any longer than He wills it to go. God is in control. We just need to learn those lessons through those seasons of heaviness.
So understand this morning when it comes to a season of heaviness, even as these dear believers were going through in 1 Peter as he's writing to them, there is a reality of them, meaning everybody faces them. There is a range of them, meaning, meaning it won't last forever. It's a season. But I want to see this thirdly and lastly. I want to see the result of this season. Let me ask you a question. Uh, during the seasons of heaviness, have you ever wondered and asked questions like these? What's the purpose behind this? Uh, why, is, why am I going through this? Why is the Lord allowing this to happen? What is God doing in my life? Anybody ever wondered that or asked that verbally? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay. 7, 8, 10, 12. Okay. All right. There's a dozen of us here that have wondered, what in the world is God doing? Why in the world am I going through this season at this moment? We have questions. And if you've ever asked them, you're not alone. There was a uh, Barna poll that was taken some time back, but the poll was this. If you could ask God one question and you knew he would give you the answer, what question would you ask? The most common response to that poll was this one. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? People want to know why. People want to know why on a personal level, why am I going through this trouble, trial, and pain? What's the purpose behind it all? Even characters in Scripture would ask that question of why. And the psalmist, uh, the psalmist would say this in Psalm 6 in verse number 3 through 10, My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee, and the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. He was crying all the time. He was in a season of heaviness. Mine eyes consumed because of grief. It waxeth all because of all mine enemies. In the beginning he said, how long is this going to last? And we know that the psalmist right in this moment was none other than David himself. King David was wanting to know why he was going through this and how long was it going to last. He wants to know the purpose behind the heavy season of life. Everyone wants to know why. When it comes to those times, those heavy seasons, and our attempt to answer them too, we try to give a, an answer, but in our attempt, it's quite feeble at times. I'll be honest with you. When I've had people ask me, Pastor, why am I going through this? Why, why is this happening? Why, why, why? Many times I feel like my attempts to give such an answer, a sufficient one at least, oh man, it falls short. It does. I want to help. I want to encourage. I want to give comfort. But it falls short. But as we see in our text back in 1 Peter 1, we can see at least one answer. And this answer is um, over a period of time. Sometimes maybe immediate, but definitely over a period of time. We can see an answer as Peter writes, to strengthen this hurting believers of the season and, and of why. Maybe they were even asking why, but he says this. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the trial of your faith, meaning the test or proving of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, 
Though it be tried with fire. He's using the illustration at this time because goldsmiths, they would test, when they would test gold, they would put it through the refiner's fire. And through that fire, that goldsmith would find out how pure that gold was to see if there's any impurities in the gold. And if there was impurities in the gold, those impurities would come up to the top. And the goldsmith would discard those impurities until he could see his own image reflected into the gold. But why would the goldsmith do that to the gold? Is it because he hated the gold? No. He didn't want to waste precious metal. He didn't hate the gold. Here's why the goldsmith did it. And it thrilled my soul last night as I was looking it over again. Here's why the goldsmith put this gold through the refiner's fire. You ready? To make that gold more valuable. (laughs) The goldsmith would turn up the heat for that gold to make it more valuable. Because the more impurities it had in it, it was less valuable. Because it wasn't 100% gold. But the less imperfections, the less impurity, the more value it would bring. That's why the goldsmith did it then. Understand, God wants to make our faith of more value. He wants to test our faith, to prove our faith. As the saying goes, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Amen. And the Lord wants to make our faith of more value. Why? Again, look at verse 7. That it, that the faith, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. As I read that, it reminded me of this verse in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, as Jesus was speaking. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Now listen, we all want to hear those wonderful words from the lips of our Savior. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's no way to be a faithful servant without faith, right? It's in the Word. He's just trying to refine their faith. Make it a little bit more valuable, if you will. And heaviness and grief and pain, they have a way of testing our faith. And in those times, those testing times, our faith can do one of two things. We can respond one of two ways. We can draw closer to the Lord. By the way, it's what Jesus desires. Or we can allow those times to push us further away from Jesus. By the way, that's what the devil desires. Whose desire are you going to follow? It's pretty simple. It really is. He desires for us to draw closer to him. That's what Jesus wants. And when we do come closer to Christ during those seasons of heaviness, you will find some precious things. First, you'll find that the Lord is very sweet. He is very merciful. He is very loving and kind. And you'll find His grace is sufficient, meaning it's enough. It is. His grace is sufficient. You'll find also that when you're in those times, you find yourself very weak. We find ourselves very weak in those times of heaviness and we just don't know what to do. But as we come to Jesus, we'll find in our weakness, then we are made strong. Just as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, 
in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why, Paul, would you say that? And why would you take pleasure in them? For when I am weak, then am I strong. Because in those moments when we come to the Lord, during those times, we will not be trusting in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own confidence. Basically, we're not putting our faith in ourselves, rather, our faith more in Jesus. And therefore, your faith is becoming more valuable. Because of Christ and His strength, because of the Lord. All I'm trying to say is this. Some of the results behind these seasons of heaviness, there is great value that can be found. I don't like them either. They're tough. They're hard. There's also great value there. As we come to the Lord, as we rest upon Him and rest in His grace and rest in His Word and rest in His strength and rest in Jesus. During times of heaviness, Jesus is trying to make something of you and of me. Let Him have His perfect work. All right? Come to Him in those times by faith, trusting Him the whole way through them all. Because understand, those seasons don't last very long, especially in light of eternity. What did James say? Pastor James wrote and says, What is your life? It's even a vapor. Appears for a little time, vanishes away. Doesn't matter if your life lives to be 150 years old in light of eternity. That's ah, just a vapor. A vapor, as in when these cool nights come about here around in the mountains and you breathe your warm breath and those cool nights and you see that little, that little vapor. Well, next time you do that, say, ah, There goes my life. That's true in light of eternity. So they are very short. Everybody has them, but listen, there can be great value in the end of them. As you and I trust Jesus by faith through life. Listen, faith is not just for salvation. It's for everyday living, dear Christian. Everyday living. Trusting Jesus. That is all. Our Father, I pray you'd help us to do more of just that. Trust you. Especially during times of heaviness. And I pray you to use those times to make our faith of even more value, to grow it, to strengthen it in you, to see you strong, to see you good, to see you gracious, to see the Lord. And we pray that you use those times to do what must be done. As we thank you, the refiner's fire, do what must be done to see more of your Son in us. We pray. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick, I've got one question. This was geared more towards believers this morning. But I want you to know if you're here, you're not saved. You're going through a season of heaviness. Maybe God's using that to draw you to himself, to show that you need to trust him as your savior and him alone as your savior. Because understand, my friend, Jesus died for you, was buried for you, and rose the third day from the grave for you. He's alive forevermore. And if you will by faith trust him and call upon his wonderful name to save you, he will. And maybe he's using that time of heaviness 
to draw you to himself and trust him as Savior. Or maybe you're here and you know Christ as Savior, but you're in a season of heaviness. Maybe he's using it to draw you closer to him, to see how strong he really is, how good he really is, gracious. I encourage you to come closer. So here's my question. Are you here this morning? You say, Pastor, I'm going through a season of heaviness. Would you just please pray for me? Anybody like that? Going through a season of heaviness. Several of us. Praying for you. I'll be here after the service if I can help you get my attention. If it's just nothing else but to pray to get my attention, I'll pray with you. But if you're here you don't know Christ, don't leave until you know Jesus as your Savior. Allow this heaviness to draw you closer to Him. Stand with me all around if you will. As we sing a hymn of invitation, hymn 408, I must tell Jesus. You're carrying that heaviness, you need to do that. Just tell him about it. Tell the Lord this morning. He already knows anyway. Just tell the Lord. As we sing, you respond appropriately to the Lord and you pray. Him 408.